that's how you build rivalries, and that's how you build atmosphere. Edwards, three-pointer, it's good! This team is right there with anybody else in, in the country. They are clicking on kind of a different level that we didn't um, that we didn't see this year. Perry for the lead. Oh! He did it again. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Zone Star State Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni. Joining me once again is Ishmael Johnson and Ish. Today we start our Beat Riders series, uh, looking at. A lot of the teams in the state uh, with Jared Johnson, who covers Texas Tech for Inside the Red Raiders for 24-7 Sports. Jared, how are you today? I'm doing great, man. How are y'all? And thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, no problem. We had you on last year, and it was a it was a hit. It was, yeah. I, think you, I think all the Texas Tech people found us, and it was like one of our most viewed videos. So oh, like, nice. we got to get, get Jared back on here. <laughs> like 4,000 <laughs> views. Got to boost those numbers up, man. Texas Tech fans love their, love their basketball. Exactly. <laughs> That's for sure, and uh, they're crazy. I, I love them. There's nothing like them, and uh, y'all are great. There's nothing like uh, Dave Campbell. So you know, it was fun last year. So let's do it. Well, what do y'all have for me? Oh, we got it. We got a lot. We got a yeah. lot. There's never a dull moment at Texas Tech. Never, never a dull moment. Um, I, for me, I want to start last year uh, as far as the season goes because obviously it was, uh, it wasn't the year that many expected. Following up that what was it a Sweet 16 loss to Duke where. I, now Tech probably should have won that game and could have made a Final Four. Um, Followed up where you know transfers, players leaving, um, wasn't quite the year that many fans expected. And then Mark Adams ends up getting dismissed. But as far as on the court goes, for the most part, what did anything surprise you about how last year went, or how would you kind of encapsulate that? Oh, it was a disaster is what I would call it. I mean, they brought in a highly rated recruiting class, uh, the number one transfer class, uh, according to uh, 247 Sports. But uh, injuries, for one, and then also uh, it was my in the, the decade I've been covering Texas Tech, all the sports, it was my least favorite team to cover because everybody was just, it seemed to be out for themselves, you know? I mean, and it was, wasn't just the players. I mean, it was the staff. Uh, so much drama constantly. NIL got very uh, mm, contentious. Messy. Uh, yeah, messy and contentious. I mean, it was just name a problem that could happen, and it happened. A lot of it eventually came out, but it was, you know, the poor Red Raider basketball fans who are rabid, as you all know, you know, mm-hmm. they were like, what is going on? What is happening? This isn't Texas Tech basketball. And it wasn't just the result. It was what you saw on the court as well in terms of, um, you know, the no middle defense is predicated on team defense, switching, mm-hmm. and being together and all that. And there was just – that just wasn't there on either end of the court. But it really showed up on defense with Texas Tech basketball. And, um, you know, people wanted, wanted answers. And uh, the bottom line is just nothing was functioning properly on or off the court. And then you stack some injuries with that. And then you have the season you have. And the most surprising part of the season was in knowing some of the things that were going on and all the dysfunction that they actually won some of those games, that big upset mm-hmm. against Iowa state. Uh, you know, they, they had some nice victories there where it looked like they were trying to get, you know, they were 
one or two wins away from maybe even getting into the tournament, which was which shocked me considering all the drama that I knew was going on behind the scenes. But uh, I it needed a total overhaul, and uh, they got that. So I'm I'm glad last season's over. Yeah. One one last thing on last season before we get into kind of what's been <clears throat> going on since. You know, I remember I think it was. What was that Iowa State game, January 30th, where they finally got that first Big 12 win, yeah. something like that? They came back um, from like 25 down or something. Crazy right, right, there. right. I remember watching the team up to that point, and I think me and Bruni talked about this, where it's like those close games, because some of them, you know, the first Iowa State game was a blowout, but some most of the games were within a couple possessions. And it just felt like years past, even the year before under Mark Adams, they would just gut out those wins right where it's like a, t- a game that they maybe shouldn't have won they're gonna maybe find a way to like get a stop when they shouldn't have and and maybe come up with a crazy basket or something and it felt like to me watching the offense it felt like that that team was a team that expected to have his have fardas uh for a lot of the season because they really missed some kind of other presence outside of pop isaac's kind of coming into his own and then on defense it was really a team that and you kind of hinted at it it looked like a team that just didn't trust itself defensively, right? It didn't trust itself to like have the right switches. Do you think that off field, off court stuff kind of just bled onto the, onto the court? Cause I, I think that there were, obviously you lose guys like Terrence Shannon, things like that, but even some of Chris Beards or Mark Adams, lesser talented players were able to fit into the system. And it didn't seem like that last year. Do you think that kind of like dysfunction off the court, just kind of like bled onto the court? And it's like, Oh, there's just a dysfunction on both ends yeah absolutely absolutely uh you know it's a very fine line the margin for error especially in big 12 basketball Mm -hmm. i mean there's so much talent there's so many good teams that that kind of dysfunction first off just the era we're in and everybody's dealing with this in terms of overhauling the roster almost every year and having to get these guys come together in one off season and all that tech had a bunch of transfers and a bunch of young freshmen trying to come together from all over. And Mm -hmm. if you can't, if there's not a a common goal that everyone can strive for, if people aren't buying into the system, if people aren't, don't believe in honestly the word of the head coach and then if there's dysfunction in the staff itself. Yeah. When it comes Mm -hmm. down to winning time and you're playing Kansas and you got to get a stop, I mean, Kansas is going to get that hoop. I mean, and they're going to get a stop against you. I mean, or Baylor, or, I mean, you go down the list. Iowa State, normally, uh, it's it, – a lot goes into it um, in terms of bringing all these guys together in one offseason. Grant McCaslin's dealing with that right now and coaches around the country. And if there is dysfunction, it will show on the court. It's one of the things I love about sports is that's like with life. If you have something – some uh, distraction that's keeping you from really focusing on something in a competitive market, you're probably going to lose to that other person who is putting in the time and has the blinders on it and is trying to get it done. And, uh, but all that being said, you, you hinted at uh, Ishmael, uh, Fardaz being out was a huge blow. Him mm-hmm. being hurt, um, even when he came back, he wasn't in the, in the same shape. That That was kind of like, uh, the lightning rod to, to start yeah. all, all, all the problems. And then the dysfunction kind of started creeping in and then it was an avalanche. Yeah. For Mark Adams, it felt like it was always something coming up, um, whether it was 
Fardaz during this. I mean, not only getting hurt, but then entering the portal and then coming back, and then we weren't sure. Um, and then obviously the comments they made that got him suspended, and then eventually they part ways uh, with he parts ways with Texas Tech. What was the overall reaction from fans upon his dismissal or upon him uh, leaving? Well, I would say um, you know it's a huge fan base. Yeah. So part of the fan base, I'd say like the, the normal fan who just casually watches games and loves Texas Tech and all that was kind of like, what? You know, he was getting railroaded. The guy or girl who's on a message board who is, you know, lives and dies yeah. Texas Tech sports every day was like, finally, let's move mm-hmm. on. We need to know because they knew of a lot of the drama or at least had some of the hints. There were so many uh, rumors going around um, the, the level of um discord uh is the only word i could think of in, mm-hmm. in drama uh that was going on had had worn a lot of people out and it was clear that uh adams probably need to go despite being a great coach and uh a red raider uh yep. you know a big part of what chris beard did in terms of uh you know the defense and being an assistant coach and then having that great season like you said that went to the sweet 16 and uh, was a really good year in the big 12 swept texas with all that i mean it was a flip-flop from high to low. I mean, he, he could have been, uh, you know, the mayor of Lubbock at one year and the next year it's like run him out of town. So it depends on the level of, I guess, their fandom. Uh, I, I, it was split in that some people felt like he got a raw deal and then some people uh, were, were definitely, who, who had really loved him, were ready for him to be gone. Mm-hmm. So moving on to, you know, when the news starts to drop <clears throat> that, that, they basically narrowed their search to, to Grant McCaslin. And, you know, I believe basically until that NIT finals uh, game, it was basically like all signs are pointing there. Um, you know, what was kind of the internal, what was kind of the reaction to that first when they first kind of weed, weeded out some of the other names? I knew there was some, a bunch of bigger names thrown out there. Maybe they wanted a splash hire. Maybe they wanted, you know, somebody like a, a McCaslin. You know, when it finally became clear that he was the route that they were going, you know, where was kind of the, the pulse of the fan base at that point? Yeah, I think some people were like, who is Grant McCaslin? But then they saw, what you know, UNT was going through the NIT, you know, NIT, which is good. I think a lot of fans were excited about that. I think um, there were – there is a – was a large group that said, hey, Texas Tech basketball has reached a certain level. They need to bring in a big – like a heavy hitter. They should be mm-hmm. able to. Great facilities. The best, you know, arguably the best conference in the, in the country for basketball. And um, they just uh, – a lot of people felt like a, a big name should be hired. Uh, but McCaslin was uh, a top target initially and all the way through. I mean, everybody I talked to was like McCaslin, 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 you know. So it the search wasn't – there's – in coaching searches, it could get a bit dramatic. You know, when you start mm-hmm. going down the list and all – the, the athletic directors and all that, and you start hearing all these different names and – that really wasn't the case. I mean, they interviewed a lot of people, but McCaslin was constant. Like, this is the top guy. Um, and I think I think a lot of fans are taking a wait-and-see approach. He is mm-hmm. a different dude. I mean, I, we can get into it later, but I, he, yeah. he he's a lot more methodical than even a Mark Adams and certainly more than Chris Beard, who is uh, – probably the most, one of the most impatient people I've ever been around. I mean, he wants things done right now, everything, you know, he wants somebody ready right now. He doesn't wait for players to develop. Uh, And that has served him, you know, but I think a methodical approach can also work. And that's what we're seeing from uh, Grant McCaslin so far. 
Yeah, I was going to ask you about your first impressions of, of Grant McCaslin and, and how, because obviously we can get into the roster construction a little bit later, but obviously it's just going to be pieced together in a sense. But what were what were your first impressions and what have you heard over the past few months about just how he runs things? Yeah, he runs a tight ship, uh, very closed in, you know, where he doesn't, He's not big on social media. You could tell some of it's kind of forced from the Texas Tech basketball account, like on Twitter and stuff mm-hmm. like that, as opposed to some like a Joey McGuire at football who, I mean, he lives on Twitter, you know? Yeah. Uh, I was about to say, he's, he's retweeting dudes who talk, who post like a tech offer. Like, it's like, it's right. crazy how plugged in that dude is. Yeah, he loves it. And, you know, he, yeah. he jokes with me sometimes that his wife, Debbie, has to tell him, get off Twitter, you know, live your life. So right. that's two very – they're extremes. McCaslin yeah. is not like that. Uh, but uh, he he's methodical. He has a system. He looks for uh, players and recruits who he thinks will fit his system rather than highly rated guys or got, like necessarily highly ta- talented guys that people at, at recruiting sites like me talk about and try and get them to fit into his system. He wants guys that he knows are a good fit for his system and targets those. And, you know, I think it's his first year. He's not a big name, uh, although he's had success at at UNT. uh, And as a head coach, obviously, Big 12 ties with his time at Baylor. You know, then he was at Tech uh, back in the day under James Dickey uh, as a younger coach. So he has skins on the wall. But to recruits, I don't know if that means a whole lot. So he has to prove himself before I think landing those bigger fish, those bigger transfers, uh, you know, to Texas Tech. Now, go ahead. No, I, I was going to say you're, I think you're 100% right because it is interesting. At North Texas, he wasn't out recruiting people. He didn't have bigger recruits or even more talent than like UAB or FAU in a lot of years, so on and so forth. So it, t- it took a couple years, but – and he did go the JUCO route – at North Texas, obviously, to where you're, it's not going to be as easy to go JUCO route at Texas Tech. But regardless, he's always been one that kind of just the system outworks the other team, yeah. if that makes sense. And so that's no, where no. once that started clicking at North Texas, it was just like they couldn't lose. And it felt like once the system got in place and once he got guys that fit the system, it was just every single year it's like, all right, they're going to win 25 games, 20 games. It's like every single year. I'm interested to see how that work goes at Texas Tech because you're playing Scott Drew, who is, I mean, you're playing Jerome Tank. These are coaches that he's friends with that he knows that do the same thing he does. But now you're going to have to get, you can't just win because you're a better coach than all of Conference USA. You know, you're playing against those level coaches. So the talent acquisition aspect of it is the most interesting thing for me uh, at Texas Tech. Well, with no disrespect to, to North Texas, uh, but he does have more to more ammo in terms of to recruit sure. at Texas Tech. I mean, they just mm-hmm. upgraded their facilities here recently. They have one of the top arenas really in the country for college basketball. Yeah. One of the mm-hmm. top practice. Their practice facility is is amazing. I mean, if you're ever in Lubbock, I'll, you know, we can go you're check it out. It's, it's yeah, it's it's next level, man. It really is. Yeah. Um so, and then the fan base and all that. So uh, he has the tools to yeah. be able to recruit effectively to tech compared to, to North Texas, uh, just being honest. Yeah. Um, just like, I mean, I know a Kansas guy would talk about with Texas Tech in terms of, uh, you know, tradition and stuff like that. You know, I, mm-hmm. I get it. Uh, but, you know, they have, they have acquired some talent. Now they've missed on some guys. 
Um, and I, I keep going back to football. I guess I'm in football mode, but you know, Joey McGuire's had su such uh, success recruiting and he continues to that like the common tech fan is like, wait a minute, why is McCaslin, why did he miss on this guy? Why did he miss on the third guy? Why did he miss on the fourth guy? You know, uh, but they have, they've brought in some, some, some pretty good talent through the transfer portal. I think it's smart talent. What one of the common denominators I've seen is uh, a high IQ level, high IQ mm -hmm. basketball level. So just getting a guy who could jump out of the gym and is long and, you know, uh, you know, a taller guy who can shoot from outside. They're getting high IQ guys so far, which I really like. I think that's, one of the more under talked about uh, aspects to sports or traits of, a, of an athlete uh, it, you know, in sports in general is having that I, IQ, being a smart uh, athlete in, in what, what they're doing, what sport you're playing. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think for this first year, especially, I wouldn't be if I'm a tech fan, I'm speaking from the outside. <laughs> I wouldn't be discouraged by the lack of maybe premier um, transfers coming in or premier recruits right now, because. I think so many coaches, when they make that mid-major to high-level jump, a lot of them try to fit a square peg into a round hole right away. Um, like, I, I always think of Shaka Smart as the biggest example of that, where it's like, oh, yeah, he's hired from VCU to run. He comes in, and people expect him to run the system. That's what his success is. And he's like, actually, I'm not running Havoc, right? I'm going to go after these five. I'm going to go after Mo Bamba. I'm going to go after Jared Allen. And and we're not going to run Havoc because those guys don't want to run Havoc. And it's like, okay, well, your whole career is based around this thing you do, and you just throw it all away. And it's like, I think Chris Beard somewhat did it better, where he comes in his first year, Maybe he doesn't get everybody, you know, the, again, that that first tech team wasn't incredible, right? The Jared, Jared Culver was pretty good. He was a hometown kid, right? Um, but it wasn't like they weren't landing the, the Mac McClung transfers, right? The high-level transfers that they got later yes. on. It was more like proof of concept in year one, kind of year two as well. And then after that, okay, then you can bring in the highly touted uh, recruits, the, the five-star maybe, things like that. So I wouldn't, again, when it comes to Grant McCaslin, he got it done with Tyler, guys like Tyler Perry from the JUCO route who weren't, you know, incredibly highly touted uh, immediately. And so I would 100%, like, I'm excited. We, we talk about the fact that Pop Isaacs is coming back. Like, I want to see Grant McCaslin with somebody like Pop Isaacs, right? I love that idea of maybe taking him to the next level, maybe having him uh, uh, elevate himself on defense a little bit, uh, see where his game goes offensively. So for me, just from an outside perspective, this year I would – I don't want to say uh, uh, chuck it to the wind. I do think they're bringing in some good names that fit his system. But as far as like the the premier guys, I wouldn't, I would never want. In my opinion, I don't want mid major guys like that trying to come in and immediately prove themselves as an elite recruiter and all this stuff because it's just not that to me. That's not how. That's how. That's not how you got the job, right? You got the job doing what you do best and kind of fitting, uh, fitting your system above, above all else. And once. Once recruits start seeing your system, it's like, oh, yeah, I can play in that. Like, I can, you know, we can come over and we can figure some things out because time and time again, you've seen you've seen guys flame out that way because they throw away their their morals for the sake of the the shiny, the shiny boy that is a, a five star recruit or something. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, don't mess up what's worked for you your whole career. You mentioned right. Chris Beard and, you know, tech fans don't want to hear this, but he's an anomaly in terms of as a coach. A lot mm -hmm. of baggage that goes with him but very talented coach. Not everybody can be as adaptable as, as somebody like Chris Beard and, and, and make it work. Uh, what I do like from what I heard from McCaslin is that he is keeping, uh, you know, his version of the no middle defense. They used it North Texas. He's right. going to keep it at Texas Tech. Like he has 
from everything I've heard and uh, from like guys on my staff who cover basketball, who are, who are really plugged in, uh, they're, they're running a tight ship. Uh, there is a system. They believe in uh, McCaslin's system and how they do things. And they're not going to deviate from that. So that's exactly what you're talking about, man, is uh, doing what has worked for you your whole career. So how some of these new players are going to fit and how quickly they gel and all of that, that's the question, of course. But uh, and it, hopefully they can stay injury-free, relatively injury-free. But, uh, no, I, that philosophy, that's that's crazy to me. Why, why change? I mean, I, I get the talent acquisition part of it, but uh, the totally changing – what you've done that that's uh, made you successful makes, makes very little sense to me. It's like, you know, it, just because it's a bigger stage doesn't mean it won't work. Yeah. Uh, his first two years at North Texas, they were middle of the pack conference USA, middle of the pack conference USA, and then they took off that third year. Um, mm-hmm. At Texas tech, I'm interested. It's a, it's such a tough conference, the big 12. I can't see year one coming in and lighting the world on fire. Like, as much as Kansas State surprised us last year, like literally shocked me. I thought they were not going to – I thought they were going to be the worst team in the conference. Um, and then they have the year they have. I'm just – I don't want to set expectations for Grant McCaslin to come in and be a top four team in the Big 12 in the first year. Second year, you know, transfer portal, who knows where they go from there. But I, I, I do you feel like fans will be understanding of that or is it going to be kind of like, hey, you know, we got to start – we got to start winning at some point. Fans understand it. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're on <laughs> That's the question. Yes. Hey, I had to look. I'm, I'm, like, I'm a wounded the tomb Cowboys fan, all right? I'm not understanding about their struggles. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's a different win. world. I've been, I've been there. Down, you know, uh, no there. matter what. You know? So, I, I mean, I get it. Uh, no, I think the litmus test is whether they make the tournament or not. You know, I think most hmm. fans are like, hey, if you just make the tournament and get in there, have a good showing in the Big 12, now, I don't know if they'll be able to do that or not. I think, you know, there's two ways to look at the Big 12. It's very difficult, absolutely, but also there are a lot of opportunities. I mean, Kansas comes in and it's they have an off night. You know, they're in Lubbock uh, or Baylor, and, yeah. you know, that raucous Red Raider crowd is just, you know, making an impact. You, you bank in a couple of shots or something like that. All of a sudden you have a huge win for your resume, you know. So there are a lot of opportunities uh, on that Big 12 schedule as well. It's not just the bad side. There's a good side for it. And I do like uh, the roster they're putting together. It makes a lot of sense to me in, in terms of like we were talking about, McCaslin's plan of you know playing defense, rugged defense, being tougher than the other team. Um, I don't know how pretty it's going to be, but I think most Tech fans understand, uh, hey, wins are much prettier than losses uh, where, where you shot well and still lost. I mean, I think they got enough of that with football over the years where they put up a lot of points and, and lost uh, a lot of kids. So, uh, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying. Uh, I think um, – I don't think they're going to be in the top four of the Big 12. I think they can be middle of the pack. I think they can make a make the tournament yeah. um, possibly. But if they don't, I don't think it should be, oh, McCaslin, this is a bad fit or anything, anything like that. I think it's going to be mm-hmm. within the games. Are you seeing them running – uh, you know, the system, are they playing well together? Is McCaslin making smart substitutions and moves here, there, he and his staff, those kind of things. Does it, does it look like it's supposed to, I think is what, uh, other than just the end result in the first year, after that, it's like, it's in result, man, you got to win, mm-hmm. you know, but first year you got to see like, is this going to work? Is this a good fit? Is this guy, the coach, you know, we thought he was. 
Yeah. He's, I was about um, to say, you, you saw somebody who, you're talking to somebody who covered a lot of the ugly basketball that, <laughs> that, that sometimes is still, it still produced wins. I was about to say, yeah, yeah it still right produced there. wins and it's not going to be the prettiest at times. Yeah. Pretty. We talked about that a lot. We were just like, yes. sometimes, and again, I don't know if it's, it was like personnel thing, right. Or if it's like, he'd rather would play certain players because they're better defenders as opposed to shooters or whatever. Yeah. But there were sometimes this year where they would come out with like a 10 point win and it was like, all right, it's been 20 minutes since either team's made a basket. You know, it's been yeah. like one of those things. Like it held UTEP to like 30 points. It's like, all right, it's like 45. <laughs> yeah, we're, they're, you know, they're, they're gonna play defense. McCaslin's team will play defense. That's nothing. Right, right. And uh, for everything I, I've heard is that that's what that's what's going on in Texas Tech right now in the summer yeah. workouts. It's like you know, toughness over everything. I, I do like their – I mean, we kind of mentioned the, the roster. I mean, I, I do like – and Ish mentioned, I think you mentioned on the last podcast, two podcasts ago, they're mm-hmm. adding size. Warren Washington, Darian Williams, Kiran uh, Lindsey, uh, or Kyron Lindsey. Um, mm-hmm. I know Chance McMillan, I think, is a guard from, from Grand Canyon. So, I mean, that's four players right there, three of them being forwards. Um, I, that's, a, that's a big deal in McCaslin's uh, team's roster construction. So And then you had Pop Isaacs at the perimeter. I mean, they, they – from a from a just outsider looking in standpoint, it feels like it's a roster that that makes sense. That is kind of a complete team. It doesn't have any obvious holes, I'd say, at this point. Like obviously, there's not that like NBA prospect on it, but um, at least that I know of. But I, I think there's it's a very solid roster at this point. Yeah, and it it fits to the system. Warren Washington, former uh, Pac-12 All Big Twelve uh, defensive team player. Mm-hmm. Um, Darren Williams, I love him. Like I, early on, he's my favorite player going into the season because, I, and I wasn't really familiar with him to be honest. Coming over from Nevada, where he was mm-hmm. uh, Mountain West freshman of the year, seven point mm-hmm. seven rebounds. Uh, his assist to turnover ratio—I can't remember exactly what it is, so I don't want to say it—but it was it was high. Uh, the guy I was talking about, high IQ earlier, he yeah. exemplifies it. Um, just is the type of dude that makes whatever play you need that six, six wing, uh, who, um, a six, six wing who can defend almost anybody who can do anything offensively in terms of you can be, uh, you know, bring the ball up for you. If you need be, uh, run the wing. Uh, he, he's a good shooter, but he, he's not a high, he doesn't have to be a high volume shooter though, which is good, a good fit for the rest of the roster. Um, so I, I really like Darren Williams a lot. Uh, like I said, Washington is your rim protector, the seven footer, Chance McMillan, a point score first point guard. I think he averaged uh, ten points, a little over two assists last year mm-hmm. at Grand Canyon. Um, so some some nice pieces. You mentioned Pop, I- you all mentioned Pop Isaacs. Uh, he has a chance to take a step and be a really good player, one of the top scorers in the Big Twelve. I, I really believe that. Um, so there'll be interest. I don't know in, in the system if that'll be the case uh, yeah. where he'll get an opportunity to shoot enough, but he'll be a, he'll be like enough. one of the first guys yeah he'll be one of the first guys opposing teams are scouting in terms of we got to stop this guy yeah. uh very quick release very good shooter he needs to get better in terms of around the rim with like floaters and a variety of shots uh you know in, in that capacity against these you know really long athletes in the big 12 but uh you know great freshman year they also bring back uh, robert jennings six seven four out of mm-hmm. uh, dfw area who had a, had a good freshman year, not great, but he was solid, showed flashes, uh, good size uh, in terms of he plays bigger than his 6'7 uh, height. He has a long frame, long wingspan. Uh, Lamar Washington isn't talked about as much as another one of those freshmen from last year. He was, uh, you know, a great athlete in Oregon who came in, four-star recruit 
I think he'll be the backup point guard to Chance McMillan. He was speaking of tough. He was a three-star linebacker in football Ooh. as well, and major okay. offers. Major offer from USC to play football. That good of a, a football prospect. So he's a very tough dude, very good defender. He has a lot of room for improvement, but a lot of potential. So. Yeah, roster's coming together. They need to add some more firepower on the outside, in my opinion, and another, mm-hmm. I don't know, kind of dude who can throw his weight around, kind of an enforcer. And they yeah. have those two spots left. So we'll see what they do with that. Darren Williams ended the year 90 assists to 30 turnovers. So three to one. Three to one. Pretty for a wing. Good. You know, for a yeah. wing. Yeah, yeah. freshman yeah. wing. Yeah. For a wing. Um, I forgot the other one. Oh, and then I remember I watched uh, Kerwin Walton's coming back. Did you did you, uh, did you mention him, right? Is he coming back? No, I did not mention him. Um he did not have a great year last year. So, um, so I was gonna mention, I was gonna mention the. I think that his best game of the year was against LSU on the road. I think he hit like three or four threes, and I was there, and I was like, "This is an awful basketball game." First of all, LSU was awful, <laughs> and Texas Tech beat them, and I was like, "Yeah, okay." I knew LSU was gonna go like two wins in conference, but I think Kerwin Walton that was his best game of the year, and I just remember watching. That. I was in person watching that, so that's all. That's why I remember him. My headline on the preview is somebody's got to win, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm that was my headline. Like both teams have lost like I don't know, like 18 yeah. games combined or something yep. like that. Whatever. Yep. Like I, I don't remember the number, but it was something stupid like that. Yeah. That win actually helped Tech because yeah. after that, they won a couple of games here and surprised some folks. But to answer your question, Colonel Walton, uh, I mean, he seems like a good dude. I don't want to just trash him, but he was very inconsistent. Like yeah. you said, he'd hit three or four trays and like, two or three games, and then he wouldn't hit a three for a month, you know? And some of it was he wasn't getting playing time because he, he was a bit of a de- – he is a bit of a defensive liability. Um, and he doesn't bring a lot more than just that. So if he's not hitting wide open threes, then what does he bring to the table, you know? Um, so, but, it, you know, he's – you watch him in warm-ups, he'll make 100 threes in a row. So, uh, you know, and he does have that uh, – rate. I think he had a game against Baylor where he hit four threes as well. Uh, mm-hmm. So – Randomly. I mean, he can get hot, but uh, he needs to be more consistent and bring a little more to the table than just uh, three-point shooting. Yeah, and yeah. O'Banner didn't play in that LSU game either, and they st- and Tech Tech still won. Sorry, wow. wow. sorry. Go ahead, Tech uh, Ish. <laughs> no, I was I was just gonna say I was uh, just I guess your your overall. Well, actually, first you mentioned a little bit of the, some of the roster spots. Who are some guys that they're kind of being connected, linked with, um, that they're trying to maybe make a push for? Yeah, you're gonna as... put me on the spot. I'm I'm deep as in the football you know. right now. Uh, I got I got staff to, to cover that. We we have on inside the Red Raiders. We have a it's called Portal Combat. We have a thread. Okay. It's got like I don't know, like five hundred thousand views yeah, or something yeah. like that. I don't know. You know, nice. everybody has that kind of portal thread. You know, yep. and uh, my man Austin Massey Austin Massey does a great job. Uh, covering that i'm not i'm stuck in official visit football you know yeah, i talked fine. about the blinders you know so i could throw names but it'll be wrong by the time this airs you know what i mean they'll no, already be, be on and uh I, I struggle with names sometimes anyway so i man i i i don't i don't really have anybody for you uh right there you just, right, just good. Plug go, ahead, the go ahead and plug go ahead and plug it check out the site <laughs> check out the site yeah hey, inside the uh part of go. the texas tech side of 247 sports network um great staff great fan base uh, I, hey, I have no shame in my game. I'll, pl- I'll plug the, I, the website. Uh, yeah. we, I worked there. I worked there for a couple months. It was great. Great that's time. Right. You did a great job. You did a great Thank job. And that was, you. you know, it was a tough time for my family. And uh, you really helped out. And uh, I really appreciate that. I'll always be uh, grateful for uh, to you for that, man. For sure. Last question I have. 
um because obviously it's going to be a it's a new big 12 this year before texas and oklahoma leave so it's a super jam-packed where you add houston byu ucf cincinnati's um what are your thoughts on it on this year but then also moving forward where you have those four teams replacing houston and oklahoma and uh, or i'm sorry texas and oklahoma um are you excited about the the prospect of the new big 12 absolutely uh i mean just houston alone is better than both Texas and Oklahoma in basketball. Yeah. I mean, that Houston program is amazing. You know, uh, what uh, Kelvin Sampson's done, and uh, we'll see how, you know, if that continues. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm not a Houston insider, but supposedly his son's going to take over and all that. We'll see. Yeah, sometimes well, that see sometimes it doesn't. Do what? Yeah, I didn't see the details of that. I didn't know what, what was that dish. Did you see that? Was he taking over this year or is that in the future? Uh, I think it, it's something to where he has should an know option. That. He has an option to um, – I mean, yes, more or less. Like, Joseph Duarte basically said, like, when he becomes head coach, he has the option yeah. to add Kelvin as an assistant, basically, like, oh, which, wow. is, which is crazy. Yeah, it was like – the, the actual phrasing was when he takes over. So, it's pretty much uh, – I think when they signed the extension together, I think that was probably like an incentive for, for them was to make him head coach in waiting. Okay. Sorry, I just had as to get long, As long as Junior, I don't know his name, I'm sorry, but as long as uh, the younger Sampson is anything close to his dad and if his dad's helping out. Just keep that uh, train I mean, running, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't see Houston going to the Big 12 hurting them as a basketball right, player. Right. I mean, and the talent pool is ridiculous So in Houston. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I, th that makes a great sense. And Natty has a great tradition. BYU has done some things, you know, and UCF has almost no tradition that I'm aware of in basketball. But uh, still – yeah, exactly. But overall, I, I am excited. I don't know if it's just the newness. I'm kind of a guy who likes to go on to the new, like, oh, this is fresh faces, fresh rivalries, all that. I'm excited about it. Uh, Oklahoma has had some very good teams, Alex, Final Four runs and stuff like that in the past, but they haven't been that great for a while. Uh, Texas, I mean, I think they just got uh, their first tournament, NCAA tournament win in, in quite some time here just last year, first couple ones. So, and then they've had some drama. So obviously, so <clears throat> I, other than a rivalry with Texas, losing out on that, uh, I, I think this is a good thing. I'm really excited about the future of uh, Big 12 basketball in the, in the new look of it. Yeah, I will say y'all definitely got to have a better coach than Texas right now. That much I will say. How how much he wins, I don't know. I'm not can't guarantee Grant McCaslin wins games, but I've seen enough Grant McCaslin versus Rodney Terry in my life. To know, oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you, uh, what what makes McCaslin? I'm gonna ask you a question. What makes McCaslin better than Terry at, in game? Ooh, where do I start? Um, well, Grant McCaslin defensively is on a different level. Just he's uh, he was a step ahead of Rodney Terry. I'm just when they played Terry. Terry's whole thing is talent acquisition part, which we've said that term a lot in this pod. But Rodney Terry is he has he gets the guys in. And then, you know, whether they went like Bryson Edwards or Bryson Williams, right? Bryson Williams mm -hmm. at UTEP was a fine player, goes to Texas Tech, all Big 12. Like, he can get players, but he's in-game coaching-wise. Rodney Terry's not at the level of McCaslin, really. And McCaslin, like I said, system-wise, you get he gets guys in there, and it's it's like a machine, really. He just plugs in um, guys. He likes experience. He, he loves experienced players. So that's where, again, seeing how freshmen work out, those highly – if he gets highly tied to freshmen, seeing how they work out, kind of like Scott Drew, you know, and mm -hmm. got that to see, you know, Scott Drew, every year will have that one five-star guy like Keontae George that he plugs in. But other than that, it feels like it's a veteran team. I, that's along the lines of 
how I think he approaches things. And so it might take a year or two, but I'm really, I'm really excited to, to watch Grant over there. It's a, yeah. it'll be fun. I Tech saw him fans in, are gonna love that. They're yeah, gonna love hearing that. In Brian, I saw him in Brian at the AU event I went to for Adidas. He was all, all excited. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy. All right. All right, Ishi. Anything else? No, nah, man. That's good. And we got 35 minutes, man. He's 35 minutes without talking football. I don't know. I don't know how he did it. <laughs> but the blinders are on. We had to That's take right. the blinders off for a second. I'll, um, I'll be at a, I'll be at the seven on seven state championships uh, next week. So I'll, I'll, I'll get the, I'll get the inside scoop for you on Micah Hudson. Which, <laughs> I'll just say, Hey, Lubbock, it's Lubbock, right? <laughs> it's Lubbock. We need it. Hey man, you know what? Uh, it's pretty exciting though. With guys like Hudson, right. But the time of us filming this tech has more talent in town right now in Lubbock uh, for official visit than they've had in football ever. And that's coming from Joey McGuire. Like Texas tech has never had this amount of talent. Uh, on campus at one time from a recruiting perspective. So this is a, just Tech's going to win a lot of football games because of Joey McGuire and his staff and, and how they're recruiting. It's going to be a lot. Of, it's going to be really exciting out here. Looking yeah. at looking at uh, just a, my final point, looking at Joey McGuire, Grant McCaslin, Krista Gerlich on the on the women's basketball side. Like I just thought of like uh, I tweeted it out because I covered those. Th- I covered basketball, obviously, in football. Um, and I just said, like, it's hard to pick three more like front facing ambassadors like because you have like so many different personalities. You have Joy McGuire, who's kind of the face. You have Grant McCaslin now, who's kind of methodical. You have Krista Gerlich, who's like the lifelong Red Raider. And so it's like, there's so many different facets to like all three of those programs. And it's, it's I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to say this, like it should be an optimistic time to be a Texas Tech fan, genuinely. Yeah. And I, not everybody, not the masses care about this, but as much, but Tim Tadlock, their baseball coach. I mean, they yes. know, he's taking them to full world series, college world series. He's a he played at Tech. He's a he's definitely Mr. West Texas kind of dude. Uh, and then West Kitley, their track coach, the father of Zach Kitley, the offensive coordinator. Mm. Yeah, I mean they just stack Big Twelve championships. They have to build a whole other trophy case for them. He's won a national championship in track. So it really the potential to be a golden era at Texas Tech is absolutely there right now. Yeah. And uh, for those listening, you can find Jared Johnson in the golden era of Texas Tech athletics at InsideTheRedRaider.com. Jared, thank you for joining us, man. This was fun. Man, it is fun. I, we did it last year. We did it this year. Y'all, y'all are great, man. Y'all, y'all really know your stuff. And uh, I love coming on anytime, man, anytime. Awesome, awesome. Well, for those listening on the audio side, leave us a five-star rating and review. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can leave us a like, comment, share, and subscribe. We will have beat writers from across the state uh, coming on throughout the summer months, and then uh, we'll get into uh, the coaches' interviews uh, once we get closer to the basketball season. But, uh, yeah, thank you all for joining us, and we will talk to you all later.